0: Hello and welcome to the Classroom Critics Podcast, a film studies podcast by teachers. And we're actually in a classroom, we're broadcasting or podcasting from Nashua High School North. And uh, my name is Bill Ivers, I'm joined by Walter Freeman. Hello. Michael Mul- Mulvey. Hello. And Stephanie Butin. Hi. We are the Classroom Critics. And today we're going to do classic film, a uh, unique film in... Uh, film history which we'll get to uh the 1975 academy award sweeper all the major awards awards. one flew the cuckoo's nest directed by milos foreman starring jack nicholson louise fletcher william uh redfield and uh yeah it's it's yeah i mean it's it's you know the cast is pretty uh profound here so it's um you know, it's, let's start with the AFI film list. It's it's right up there. It is number 33. I think it's uh, well-deserved. It's certainly a classic, considered to be one of the greatest films ever made. But it, um, it won all five, as uh, Mike was saying, all five major Academy Awards, including Best Picture, um, Actor in a Lead Role, Actress in a Lead Role, Director, and Screenplay. And there's only two other films that have done that in film history, um, 1934. You have to go all the way back to 1934 to It Happened One Night. And then fast forward to 1993, the sil- uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, 90, 90, 91, 91. 91, right? So, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. So, uh, yeah, it's it's um, definitely an accomplished film in terms of uh, awards. And um, no, I for me, I, it's it's definitely in my top five. Um, on certain days, I could say this is my favorite my favorite movie. And uh, it's um, I, I kind of categorize it and I'm sure I'm not original in this, but I, I ca- kind of categorize this as, as an, a, a closed world film or uh, in, uh, an institutional film, basically a film that takes place within a closed world. And it's, it has several films, several stories have a similar plot where you have this, this institution, this closed world filled with institutionalized people, um, sometimes they're prisoners, sometimes they're students, sometimes they're uh, mental patients. Uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Dead Poet Society, mm-hmm. Cool Hand Luke. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some others. Um, and then you have, you know, you have the savior figure who comes in. Uh, in this case, it's uh, R.P. McMurphy, and um, in Dead Poet Society, it's Keating, mm-hmm. right? That's his name. Yep. Um, you know, and, and basically the idea is that this this almost sacrificial savior character comes in teaches everyone that there's another way of doing things so freeze mm-hmm. another way of thinking but I don't want to get necessarily too deep into uh, thematic uh, thematics of the film until mm-hmm. I have some well, of you guys start talking
1: I think <laughs> the, if you look at the time period in which it came out 75 was kind of like right when Vietnam was ending you know it was kind of an anti-authority the time period in which it was made as far as like in Hollywood was concerned as well it was the director's decade you know <clears throat> And um, there was a lot more of a maverick type of style, the director as auteur, you know, type of thing. Yeah. You know, so it definitely had that anti-authority feel to it. Whether or not it could be made now is another thing.
0: You yeah. Know, yeah.
1: Because it's not really the same fervor of, you know, anti-establishment. You know, there seems well seems to be,
2: but you know, see what
1: You never know,
0: from, you know. You yeah. never know what going forward, but
2: right. Well, Andrew, uh, Milos Foreman, from my understanding, clashed with Jack Nicholson quite a bit on, mm-hmm. on the set about. Uh, Two two major points of contention. I think one, Nicholson wanted the place to be fairly subdued before he gets there, and then he, you know, that that, or not excuse me, I'm sorry, I apologize. Uh, Foreman wanted the place to be fairly well run, and Nicholson felt that his his presence wouldn't be disruptive enough. Wait a minute, I'm getting this all wrong. Hang <laughs> on, forget it, scratch, scratch, all of that. They they clashed over the atmosphere, the of before mcmurphy's arrival and nicholson wanted it to be that mcmurphy uh
0: wanted to, to <sighs> mcmurphy um so you so wanted him to come up and kick up some dust
1: is that what you're saying or that he wanted it to be more calm
2: yeah nicholson I'm,
1: one of them wanted a
0: contrast
2: and mm-hmm. one of them wanted uh uh wanted it to have been business as usual and and I can't remember which now I'm blanking on, uh, well, this, on, you on know, reading about it. I, whenever I watch the film I
1: you know I watch with students who are remember reminded of the um, Weisman film is it the documentarian of uh, to the Cut Follies mm-hmm. you know and um, kind of like the expose if you will of like life in a mental institution and how it kind of like changed you know how institutions were run you know because prior to these films people, you know, thought that they were these safe, wonderful places where everybody was treated wonderfully, et cetera, et cetera, and treated like, you know, animals in a cage is what it ended up, you know, coming out as. You know, this is after the, what was it, the the Stanford experiment? Yeah. You know, yeah. as well, and kind of like the whole notion of, like, would we revert to Nazism if we could or type of mentality, and,
0: right. you know, it's run
1: as a beautifully run Nazi prison camp when you get right
0: down to it. It's true, that's true. You know? Yeah, I think one interesting choice that this movie makes that, uh, the director makes in this film I mean it, we're, we're it's a movie that's based on a uh, a book that by this time was what 12 13 years old uh, Ken Kesey's yeah. um, novel and uh, you know when you read the book you know it's it's a very interesting narrative because it's um, takes you know it's from the perspective of Chief you yeah. know Chief Bromlin right. is the narrator and I mean it's, it's like a really uh, a brilliant choice for a for a narrator but you know for the one thing you know he's a he's He's Silent he's de- yeah he's he's well he pretends to be uh, right. deaf. So think of it: we have a narrator, a character in the story, who everyone assumes to be uh, deaf and cannot talk. So and he, as well. yeah, right. So you, you just think of all the dramatic possibilities, all the things that are going to be revealed to him because all the characters don't know
1: mm-hmm.
0: that he is uh, that he that he can hear.
1: Right,
0: but really uh, intelligent. Yeah, and he, introspective, and you know. Right. So, in terms of like whether he's a reliable uh, narrator or not, that's up for debate because mm-hmm. he's constantly being drugged. You right. know, and he goes into these um, this, fugue states. Yes, sort of, mm-hmm. right. So, I just I thought it was, it was very interesting. Why why didn't uh, Milos Foreman decide to keep that narrative going? Because it's really kind of um, it, you know there are moments where it's from Chief's perspective, mm-hmm. but we don't know. I mean, in, in the novel, we know right up front that he is um not actually deaf. Right. But in the in the we, that big reveal in the film is not until, you know, halfway through where you know
2: the- sued over that and actually won, uh, over over the change they made to the novel. Yeah.
0: Before that. And that would, uh yeah. I mean, Oh he hated it. Still hates it. I think. I think he's alive. So no, he, he
2: passed in two thousand one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I got to redeem myself from my prior uh,
0: inability to recall
2: information. Uh, yeah. No, he never. He never reconciled with the film, and uh, uh, he he sued over that and, and a few other things to change your perspective. But I mean, in my opinion, it was a good one because it's not. You know, when, when you adapt a film to a novel, you've got to say what what was the yeah, image to respect you know, the novel. Yeah. yeah. But okay. uh, you know. A, a narrator who can't narrate is not a very good narrator, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the practicality of it has to be taken into account.
0: You know, as well. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you think that he could um, have had you know a, a narration where it was you know a voiceover, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but
1: yeah, yeah those get tedious, though, very much so. I think in that case, it would have really taken away from it
0: yeah I mean, right um, down to it, though, I mean can't you
1: argue that it really was from his perspective when you just think of it like they were in a fishbowl you know when you get right down to it so you know perhaps we were seeing things as he saw them who knows you know whether or not it's not the same as it was in the book obviously but
0: yeah where, where it's entirely from his perspective like everything yeah. is revealed from his perspective I mean we have many many scenes in this unless I'm mistaken maybe I, that he's not even you know he's not even in the scene right. he's not even there
1: he doesn't sit in in the discussions obviously when they're talking to Nurse Ratched,
2: Right. Uh, Thorne McMurphy's entrance into the institution where he mm-hmm. interviews with the... the
0: yeah, the for of lack of a better word, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it does prompt the question, you know, how much uh, should a director change? You know, as you mentioned, he is an auteur. Mm-hmm. K- I mean, uh, Milos Forman is absolutely <clears throat> an auteur. Um, and, and I think with many auteurs, the book is just a suge- suggestion, you know. It's, it's mm-hmm. a springboard... Obviously, I mean, Hitchcock was very much like that. His movies very didn't resemble the original novels right. at all. Well,
2: I guess Kesey had submitted a screenplay, um, mm-hmm. and it was rejected. Yeah. It was so. it, Goldman that wrote
0: this? Uh, um, um, let me see. That's a good question.
2: So why, oh, yeah. while you're looking at that, I read I read this interesting thing. I'll get this one right because I'm not I, I'm still, uh, still Lawrence smart. Hoban,
0: Bo Glo- Goldman. Okay.
2: They, this was owned by Kirk Douglas originally who passed right. the rights on to Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. both of whom were eventually too old. But when it debuted on Broadway, the original cast was Kirk Douglas as McMurphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, William Daniels as Harding. And, and this was my favorite Billy while, uh, Gene Wilder was Billy Bibbit.
3: Okay.
0: Okay. No That's that be,
2: fantastic. Yeah. yeah that would have been, I mean, I, Mc Brad James Dourif did been a awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Harding,
0: yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's, let's discuss the cast. I mean, uh, it's you know I, uh, Jack Nicholson as McMurphy. I think whenever you cast Jack Nicholson in any role, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's usually a bold bold move because he's going to make the character him. Right. You know. Uh, so, but I think in this case, it, it's it's it was an inspired choice. You know, when, when I read when I you know the novel, it's almost like I can't. I,
1: yeah, I you can't disassociate it.
0: Yeah it's, yeah, it's very tough to do that, but I think it's this a different character mm-hmm. in, the, in the novel. Yeah. But, um,
1: well, it's considered to be one of the greatest American acting performances as well on film, you know, male like oh, yeah. performances, you know, when you, you know, like on that and, you know, um, Al Pacino and Godfather part two, you know, De Niro and raging bull.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, pretty much like iconic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, iconic. Can you think of a better performance by an actor in a film? Well, well suited, to, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, Jack Nicholson has kind of like a, it's kind of hard to again talk about disassociation, disassociating him from that part as well. The persona that he played in that is kind of him as well, or mm-hmm. how he's perceived anyway.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, even when even in the novel, he's described as a as a redheaded Scotsman. Yeah, uh, but you just can't not see Nicholson saying the mm-hmm. words and, and and doing the action. Right. Yeah, great performance. I mean, you know, and, I mean that
1: was kind of his decade as well, if you think about it, because he he got nominated for Last Detail in '73. 74 mm. for
0: Chinatown, 75 mm. E won for that. Yeah. When I, you know, this character for me, R.P. McMurphy needs to represent the, uh, you know, the untamed nature of the human spirit, like, at its finest. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, you know. obviously you have a situation where you have a bunch of characters who have been so suppressed, you know, told so many times that, you know, you need to do this, you need to go to the bathroom now, this is when you eat, this is when you take a medication, just completely um,
3: yeah.
0: micromanaged. but... Uh, R.P. McMurphy cannot, that's that's his point in the film, in in the story, is to, you know, just contrast, you know, what they aren't. Right. You know, the human spirit can't be tamed.
1: Well, what he says to Billy Bivitt, you know, like, you should be out, you know, like, picking up chicks, you know, and all that, so I won't say what he said, but, you know, know, like, when you ever went down to it, yeah, I mean, you should be out enjoying life. Why are you in here allowing yourself to be institutionalized?
2: Right. Well, from that perspective, I remember going to see this movie when it came out, I was 15, and... Um, you know, you, there, there'd been tough movies and hard movies and this and that, but I remember going, my, my friend's mom took us, and they were a very straight-laced mm-hmm. Christian no, boy, family. And I just remember, <laughs> you know, especially the opening scene where he's being interviewed by the guy as right. to why he's there, and I'm it's just squirming, scene. and I'm going, you know, I had never heard a character talk that frankly Mm -hmm. in a film before to put it mildly and as as uncomfortable as it made me it was also in in that weird sense kind of liberating to see that he was so unabashedly uh brazen about his his outlook on life and it really sets the tone when you when Mm -hmm. you look at that entrance interview for for what he ends up doing
0: the um so it's interesting because when i do teach this novel and you know when we do the film you know, it, you got to ask yourself when it's all said and done, what's the the message that's being uh, brought forth? Is it, it's, it's obviously it's a counterculture story. Mm-hmm. It asks us, or it, it inspires the reader, the viewer to, you know, question the answers. And, and and where is that line? I mean, we're we're all sort of to to one degree or another, you know. Um, somewhat following some sort of societal expectation rules. Yeah.
1: Well, we all kind of like follow a, you know, we're all creatures of habit. I mean, I often say this to the students, it's like, you know, a bell rings, we get up and walk out and do what the bell tells us to do. Yeah. We're so, you know, we lock, look at an octagonal sign that says stop and we do it. Yeah. You know, I said, you know, I say to the kids doesn't ever strike you as absurd. And, you know, I have to say like, I'm not encouraging you to go through stop signs, but at the same time, does it ever strike you as absurd? Yeah. you
0: know, A lot of the success of the, uh, character you know the characters um they a lot of the success hinges on them breaking the rules Mm -hmm. and doing going against the grain um of society of the institution here and you know one example i I kind of bring up uh some controversy that has to do with harry potter you know we look back at it now you ask yourself you kind of almost forget that there was controversy but a lot of the controversy um hinged on this idea that a lot of these characters in the harry potter (coughs) saga they succeed based on the rules that they break of the mm-hmm. school and you know and so you gotta ask yourself is the book actually encouraging rule breaking um or maybe it brings up the idea of I don't know it,
1: well breaking the rules on an oppressive society yeah you
0: know was it Aquinas or um Augustine who said an unjust law is no law at all mm-hmm. you know is that what it's right. saying
2: so you're saying with the Quidditch matches we had one flew over Hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> Well, what have, oh, go ahead? Sir. So
3: I have I have struggles with this movie. And, um, I love this movie. I uh, one of those movies that you just remember when and where you were when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I rewatch it, review it, um, you know the gender issues are just it, you know, gender issues abound. Um, you there's have no positive female, right? In the movie. There's no well, there's absolutely that, um, and not to mention that the hero you know, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him is a complete womanizer mm-hmm. and you still have to not, you can't help but like him. Right. And so there's that. And then of course you have the emasculating, you know, nurse ratchet archetype, um, that continues to, you know, kind of resurface in many films
0: mm-hmm. to this
3: day. Right. Um, the shrew, right. You know, the shrew old, you know, mm-hmm. single woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I guess it's just as constantly um, a feeling of insecurity, slash, you know, I really don't want to like this movie, but you just can't help it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: When you think about it, there's no like female counterpart film that kind of exists. There's no Randall P. McMurphy character in any I mean, other film when you get right down to it. Right. You know,
0: yeah, that's
1: you know, very true. You know, most of the counterculture of the 70s, even though like it was probably like the greatest decade, I think, of filmmaking, you know, female centric. Not at all, you know. Yeah, they were kind of subsidiary characters. Yeah. Like she, her part actually, you know, Louise Fletcher. I think she's on film for like what, about twenty five minutes total.
0: Oh yeah. So like she
1: was presented initially as a possibility for supporting actress as opposed to mm. lead, right? You know, but she was the lead actress in it, so that's you know she started winning awards as lead from the yeah. critics and stuff. I mean, it was that, Brando's
0: screen time in The Godfather, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think with certain films, some people they, they're their presence is still mm-hmm. throughout the movie. I think this is that the case. That was
1: Dench was only in Shakespeare in Love for eight minutes. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Beatrice Straight. I That's think true. won an Oscar for five minutes of film performance. And true,
2: network. You know.
0: I mean, this is her world, right? I mean, this is this institution is. Yeah. Nurse Ratchet's world.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I love the point that Steph brings up because there was a sort of a you know the anti-hero trend of the '70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have characters that the audience embraced and rooted for that were despicable people. I mean, yeah. you know, he was in for sex with an underage girl. Right. You look at, for example, you know, Clint Eastwood in, um, I think it was High Plains Drifter, he pulls into town and the first thing he does is kill several people and, and rape a woman. And, mm-hmm. and he's the hero of the film, so to speak. Uh, you know, he's an avenging angel in that mm-hmm. particular story. But then you, you look at that and you, you forget those elements of these charismatic characters. And for that brief shining moment, you know, he is, as you say, he's a savior figure yeah. in that world. Saves himself, I think, a mm-hmm. little bit as well. Um, is that, you know, he... And he's, he's all this forgiven type of mentality. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. But, but I mean, I guess that the key to his strength, that I always watch the film, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about that uncomfortable aspect, is that he, he finds the humanity in these people that are simply labeled yeah. by this institution. But, you know, again, as you watch, I think he himself discovers his own, you know. Humanity himself.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In a mm-hmm. sense.
3: Yeah. Because,
2: well, I mean, the care that he gets to somebody like Billy he probably never would have done before right. he met yeah. a person yeah. like Billy. Yeah, it probably would have just
1: laughed him off proximity, or
3: Proximity forced that mm-hmm. relationship yeah. Yeah. to
2: happen. Sure. But even yeah. Billy's mother, she's not a presence in the right. film, physical presence, but she's a presence. And again, that you know, you have two controlling females and and mm-hmm. prostitutes and right. a couple, <laughs> couple of the nurses. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it really is. It, it's when you look at it, there's nothing on paper that would make should make this film work mm-hmm.
0: as yeah. it does. It's, absolutely. It, what I think a great irony with this with this film is that. Um, once again, it is a, a you know definitely a counterculture story, uh, a humanistic story in a sense, you know, celebrating the the power and free spirit of the human soul. But I find a lot of Christian imagery in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think McMurphy is a classic right. Christ figure. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. he had to he he was not coming out of there alive. You know, there, there's right. that sacrifice for the yeah, for he the many.
1: For essentially
0: for chief yeah and there's and there's that moment like right you know, right after that party at, at towards the end mm-hmm. where there's that long lingering shot of him next to the uh, the open window which he he could easily he could have easily, he could he have easily walked it. out every time i watch
3: him, like go, go out of the window go. Yeah. i know
0: i know but in the camera lingers on him um, and you, you rarely see a, sh- a shot where it's that where there's no cuts just lingering on him and he in his expression goes from you know kind of like uh mis- mischievous, you know, and you know, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, all right, I guess I'll wait, and then eventually his face sort of becomes uh, somber, mm-hmm. and no no words are said, but from, to me, it's it's almost like him sort of like realizing, you know what, I'm not getting out of here, I'm, I'm not gonna, I can't, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna laugh.
2: He, he would go into a world where he was, again, a criminal, whereas in this world, he is a, he's a savior, he's, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he's, well, he's planning on what, going to
1: Canada, which back then, you know, like, going to Canada was like going to a tollbooth. You know, <laughs> you know. so you know and i mean that's where a lot of anti or you know at that time too if you think about it the vietnam like a lot of you know vietnam dodgers went to canada as well so if, if he's
0: open border yeah if he's the christ figure then you, you know his you know the other the the, the inner circle of mm-hmm. um what do you call them clients in, and yeah. inmates <laughs> or, <laughs> or <laughs> uh, uh, patients are there uh yeah there is apostles right mm-hmm, and yeah. uh you know, the doubter, you have the yep. doubter and yeah. uh, Harding, you have, you know, I think Billy Bibbit is kind of like the young, like John, you mm-hmm. know, the apostle. And yep. there's even a scene in there, you know, towards the beginning when, you know, they're playing Monopoly. Well,
1: he betrays them too. because he, yeah. he says, this you know, the, who made you do this? There, Murphy. There
0: is betrayal there. Yeah. What's I think towards the beginning in the, in the bathroom scene when they're all playing Monopoly, what happens when they're all like sort of still like just in that, that rut of, uh, you know, I got to play by these rules and, you know, he, Soaks them. It's it's. I, I find it to be a baptism a baptism scene because things start changing immediately after that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. and uh,
1: she's essentially Punch's pilot, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, and then you know, obviously you the Mary Magdalene figure mm-hmm. in the you know yeah. candy, right? You know, so I, I, I see it throughout. I can't yeah. help but not see it. And but what's interesting is it's an interesting fusion with you know I think a a more you know again humanistic mindset because you have the chief you know in his. His spiritualism is in this movie too, because towards the end, or at the end, when he, what does he say to him after he sort of euthanized euthanizes him mm-hmm. in a way? You know, he says, "All right, you're coming with me." You know, you know, basically saying, you know, that's a very your soul is yeah, you're, you're, it's a very Native yeah. American mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. kind of approach. You know, you're going to yeah. be with me. You're part of the the big spirit as mm-hmm. I am. Kind I of think thing. I was wondering
1: like what happens to him after? You know, because like obviously he's murdered someone are they going to chase after him are you going to find him where, did, where does he go you know yeah. how does he escape you know kind of prosecution
0: yeah. or whatever you know? I, think, I think we're supposed to think that he does okay yeah, yeah. yeah. it
3: is a very hopeful ending in that mm-hmm. way
0: Oh, you know, I, that that scene when that goes through the window. So yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I get teared up every time. I, yeah. you yeah. know, you know, it's funny every time that happens. The phone rings. Oh yeah. No <laughs> <Right>. way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Oh yeah. What a yeah. Very I
1: very know, specific problem <laughs> for teachers. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Yeah. I find a lot of similarities between this. One of my favorite films. I think I mentioned the other day when we were talking to the kids was Harold and Maude. I find it very much very similar to that oh, yeah. as well. Oh you yeah. Know, that's a good especially, example. Like, you know, talk about a female protagonist that, you know, she basically gives him, she sacrifices herself for his life too. Oh, yeah. And she says at one point about like, you know, that she used to like to go into pet shops and let the birds go. But, you know, that was yep. a thought that was before its time. And she says, you know, prisons are overflowing. She gives a couple examples. And she says, you know, how the world still dearly loves a cage. Yeah. You know, and that's really true. That's you awesome. know, because we put ourselves in cages yeah. all the time, you know, because it's a matter of comfort. So, you
0: know, yeah.
2: Bud, Bud Court was also up for the Billy Bivitt role.
0: Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a good example, too, uh, the Harold and Maude example, because, you know, why, you know, every, everything in the world, in society, not everything, but, you know, society, the way it's structured, people's preconceived ideas are just saying that's, you should not, you should not be together. Mm-hmm. You, t- you two, you know. Right. You know, why? Well. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You know, um, because you're old, because you're young,
1: yeah, maybe or
0: twenty or whatever. Yeah, his age is
1: never really given. You kind of assume he's in his twenties
0: or whatever. But, yeah. What uh, I mean, I, I've always assumed he's of legal, yeah, legal of course, age, yeah. and so time or you know, why can't you? Why can't there be any romance between you? Right. Oh, because you're old and, and, you're, right. and you're Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a nonsense, you know. Mm-hmm. So,
2: I want to give Cuckoo's Nest kudos, and like, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they don't do. A crucifix shot, you know, and like yeah. the Cool Hand Luke after he eats oh, right. the eggs, they do yes. the crucifix uh, shot. In most endings of Hamlet, there's a crucifix shot where you know he's lying there with his arms out, and you're like, "Oh, I get it." Uh, they they don't do it uh, they, despite the other
0: illusions. It's a little bit more subtle. And by the way, what do they do? Um, what does McMurphy do? Uh, which is not in the book, I don't think. Maybe it is. I I'm, my memory uh, is failing me right now, but he takes some fishing. He makes some fishes of
2: oh, fishes okay. of men. Yeah.
0: And I love that line. That line is very powerful to me. It's a, it's a line I think. I, sometimes I, I hope my students get when they watch it, where he says to one of them, he says, um, "I think it might be to Martini." He says, "You're not, you're not a lunatic today, you know. You're you're a fisherman." I mean, what could be more like uh, normalizing or feeling mm-hmm. normal than to just go fishing for right. a lot of for a lot of us, you know? And it's kind of like in uh, um, Shawshank Redemption when he just has his friends, you know. Makes it so yeah. they can have beers yeah. on the roof, you know.
2: Yeah, it felt like men.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just I love the, the boating scene. You know, it's yeah. it's it's really cool. And it's he, it is, again, it's he's not like he might be a Christ figure, but he's not a saint. You know, you know, during that same boat scene, what is he doing? He's going, he's bo- <laughs> below deck. <laughs> you know,
1: you know, talk about the director as well, and talk about you know counterculture thing. I mean, think of what he you know he was checked. You know, and he escaped, you know, Czechoslovakia at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of probably, you know, against something that was an incredible institution as well, the oppressiveness of the, you know, communist dictatorship in there. Yep. So it probably was something that spoke to his heart as well. Yeah, you right. know, perhaps it's like, you know, yep. the reason why he wanted McMurphy to be the character that it was. Yeah. The kind of focus in the narrator of it, too, you know.
0: I totally see that. You know, Yeah.
1: Because he was very, you know, he wasn't a very <clears throat> prolific at director. I mean, you know, like he only had a few I mean, the films that he made were amazing. You
0: know, yeah. this
1: one Amadeus. You know, Bill yep. versus Larry Flynn, Valmont. It's
0: know. kind of like Kubrick in that way. Kubrick does not have a long right. filmography, but mm-hmm. the ones he does have.
1: Yeah, or
2: Terrence Malick or
0: whoever. It yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. So I don't know any. Uh, oh, sorry, Walt. Well, oh, oh, oh
2: well. I was just going to bring up. I, I I love the supporting cast as well. Yeah. Oh, you oh yeah. Just, right. yeah. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd, Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> William, uh, was it? Chabelli?
1: Play the game,
3: Harding.
0: Play the game. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: great.
3: Well, it's easy, you know, because uh, like, I, I mean,
1: the kids don't, you know, Danny DeVito's in it. The the reason they know him now is because he's on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, which is really kind of sad. But I mean, it's, yeah, I like that show, but, you know. Um, you know, likewise, yeah. Christopher Lloyd, you know, from Back to the Future or whatever. You yeah. know, the, um, is that Schiavelli, the one that's... Yeah,
2: uh, he's kind of the tall, sort of yeah. spooky-looking guy. He's,
3: right, he's he always plays the, the creepy ghost, ghost and ghosts. Yes. Yeah. Ghost. Yes, he is the ghost and Ghost. And he was also the
1: science teacher in Fast Times Richmond Ridgemont High, yeah. which most of them, a lot of them have seen, I wouldn't say most of them. But,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know, so there's, you know, they went on to bigger, you know, not necessarily incredible careers or whatever, but, you know...
3: Familiar, yeah. very
1: familiar. yeah. You know, Michael Douglas was really good friends with Danny DeVito for years afterwards, you know. I just
2: laugh every time I watch Taxi with uh, Christopher Lloyd and yeah. Danny DeVito in it, yeah. I remember them. Well, talking about <laughs> a cage, you know, because yeah. Louie's in a cage in that one, too. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> and Lane says to him at one point, what's the
1: matter? Don't they feed you in there? You know,
0: <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, great cast. It's, you know, it's, yeah. The performances, I mean, I guess perhaps um, if you're going to, show this as a representation of how the mentally ill are. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find some. you well, there were pr- actual
1: patients in the movie, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, most of the peripheral people in the scenes were actual mental patients. Yeah, know? yeah. And it was filmed at what, Oregon State Hospital? Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 I've, heard, I've heard some Oregon, criticism. You know. I heard, I've heard some yeah, criticism that it was, <laughs> that it's, that there are caricatures in this, uh, in terms of the mental patients, but I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think it's a little harsh. dancing
1: with them when he wants him to, you know, put on the TV for to watch a World Series. Yeah. You know, whatever.
0: Yeah. It, it, but it's forgivable, you know. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I think yeah. it's. I think they're convincing performances. If, one of the best. Uh, the, the 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 laughter I get from students. Uh, one particular scene is when the uh, what does he call him? The general in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. He wheels over to a punching bag and he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's he uses <laughs> his kidding. cane on it. The, the kids just one all dying. <laughs> You know?
3: Yeah.
0: So uh, in terms of uh, cinematography and camera work, uh, I, I think it's, just, it's a very understated kind of uh, approach for design. Yeah,
1: there's nothing flashy in it. But you No. Know,
0: I mean, they're very...
1: Well, the scene where he's throwing the water fountain out the window, you know, freeing himself at the end. Yeah. Because you know, there's like that shot and it goes back and again and again. And yes. You know? Yeah. But other than that, there's no fancy camera work.
0: But he, only, he reserves the, you know, quick cuts for that type mm-hmm. of thing, you know, which is it's what you do. I mean, it's right. very subtle, I think, Um a lot of close-ups. A lot of close-ups. Yeah. A lot of close-ups. Um,
1: and she's just, you know, she's amazing in that part, too, because, you know, what is she considered like, AFI is one of if not the greatest film. Right, you
0: know? yeah, yeah. right up there, yeah, right up there. Very just, subtle performance. Yeah. yeah. Just her yeah. Sort of looks, because we've all had a teacher like that. She does like an that. elevator
1: voice. And, yeah. yeah. You know, why would you want to do that? It's almost like it's Hal from, you know, like
3: 2001.
0: Yeah. I, know. I think we all know a nurse ratchet. Yeah. You? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've all had a nurse ratchet, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, <laughs> 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 All right, yeah, we won't we won't report any, yeah, right. but um, but yeah, it's it's like,
1: uh, well, you know, that was the peak of her career when you get right down to it. I mean, she's still a working actress, but you know, yeah. after that, I think you know, the next film she did was Exorcist to The Heretic. Mm-hmm. You know, just like talk about career killer. Yeah, right. You know, never match that kind of you know. But where was she going to go? You know, she's I think in her mid forties when she won the award. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know, whereas it catapulted, you know nicholson into even greater things that yeah. you know see you know he went on to make the batman movie and what i think make about 80 million dollars from that yeah you know she'd never been a bad, <laughs> you know,
0: she's she's a subtle villain uh she's not like an outright you know evil villain in fact it takes it almost takes a little while before you start realizing why what what irks you about her yeah because you almost understand why she's doing this yeah, yeah, it mm-hmm. does, and eventually, she. When you see that she's losing control, that's when she, her, her evil nature really does come out. And, and I I maybe mean, you got to ask yourself: Is she an evil? Is mm-hmm. she evil? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, she's she's doing what think what she thinks is best. Uh, she's trying to keep firm control, uh, and she makes a, a decent argument when McMurphy wants the music louder, right? Uh, or um
3: doesn't want doesn't
0: doesn't want the music yeah. louder or the you know, the ball game. No, it's the, right. the, he, he wants to watch the World Series and he's trying to get... There are uh, 18
1: patients on this floor. Right.
0: You know? And, and uh, you know, order and routine mm-hmm. matter a great deal. Right. And you can understand that.
2: Yeah. But then you get to, through the veneer and she's so... She has something on everybody that yeah. she uses. Right. She's And, and again, when I, when I deal with the, the anti-female aspect of the film, I'm always reminded of Lady Macbeth where... It's it's a backhanded compliment that a woman in the Middle Ages in a Scottish environment could be as powerful, and as devious as any of the men. Just mm-hmm. and so again, it's putting them on equal footing. And she is she's in a male dominated yeah. world, but she rules the roost. And that's a sort of an ode to her power. I mean, she's she, that she can be so dominant in that in that environment. Well, speaking
1: of that, like when they're having the meeting, like after he does one of his bad things, essentially, and they're talking about what to do with him, do we send him back to the prison? And, you know, the, I think they say, ironically, the one that has had the most impact on him is, That's
3: right.
1: yeah, but she's, if you notice, like, in the scene, she's on the periphery of that. She's not seated with them. You don't even know
0: she's there till right, that line. Until that,
1: yeah. <laughs> That's you, Mildred. You know, uh-huh. and then she, then I think if we just pass them off and we're just sending them, you know, because there's when the little puppet strings come out, like, I'm going to keep them here. Right. And you really have some fun with them. Yes. But again, again,
3: she does seem like she's trying to do the right thing. She's. You know, she's not trying to pass the buck on to somebody else. She wants but to. But she realizes he's yeah. not criminally insane. I mean, insane. at that point, you're just yeah. like, okay, you're manipulating the situation.
1: Right. Like, let's get him out of uh-huh. here. You know, she could have easily had her order restored, mm-hmm. like, get him out of here he belongs in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, but she knew that he'd get out of prison, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like the, you know, the two guards that she has, too, that, you know, basically do her dirty work, you know, wrapping his hand with the, you know, plastic right. thing to kind of, like, you know, get ready to punch him and everything. You know, they, they're chomping at the bit to
0: like beat him senseless yeah yeah definitely and uh you know you can tell yeah when things start to unravel for her it's 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 slow it's subtle but eventually i think really when it hits the fan is during the um one of the meetings when you start to see that some of the other patients are taking the cue from mcmurphy and rebelling in their little way especially Mm -hmm. i mean cheswick you know it's like you know i I want
1: want i want his
0: he doesn't want anyone else's he wants his i'm no i ain't no
1: little kid yeah
0: and that's profound because he want he's he's tasting that freedom
1: who ps could go out into the world and have his cigarettes whenever he wanted to that's true too you know it's like you know i I, that's always amazing it's you know kind of like the whole thing with the window just go out the window leave yeah you know, be free they're afraid
0: yeah. and they're be and they're actually being taught to be more afraid right in ironically in this place and 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 uh, chief is so afraid where he didn't just want to retreat into the institution but he wanted to retreat even more within the mm-hmm. institution into himself
1: right mm-hmm.
0: so he's making you ask why would he pretend to mm-hmm. be deaf well
1: the whole thing with the cigarettes is she didn't want to give them to him because they were losing them all to McMurphy and the card games or whatever yeah and you know the like one of Dan DeVito's only lines in the movie: "How are we going to win him back?" right <laughs> <laughs> anyway, down to it, like that's you know reality. Like well, who is she to keep their cigarettes? Yeah. If they want to lose all their cigarettes, that's their prerogative. That's right. You know, yeah, that's, a good that's point. the world.
2: But I like um, you yeah. know you had said one of the criticisms of the film was the caricatures, but but they're really not because all of them. I mean, you know, Murphy's not all good, not all bad. Ratchet's not all mm-hmm. evil. Right. Um, the, and Harding is smart. Right. You know? yeah. But the inmates or the, the the patients actually all are there for very solid reasons. Mm-hmm. They they cannot cope. In the other one, but they're not being given the rehabilitation. Harding's character always case. cracks me Mr. up. Mr.
3: Harding.
1: Yeah. You know, what do you think of him? You know, was he saying, you know, the am um, a ballerina, whatever he was <laughs> saying. You know, like, fruity or whatever. Yeah, that was hilarious. I guess that guy died of cancer, like, right after the film. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he never revealed that he had cancer the whole time that they were filming.
0: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But great performance by him, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. man yeah um so favorite scenes any you want to point out uh any scenes that stand out to you i mean there's so many of them every scene is pretty iconic i mean
1: i love scott man character in that movie yeah yeah you know, like,
0: i'm
1: trying to do my job <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: God, yeah, <Beep>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> saving some editing <laughs> oh, work you, here <laughs>
1: you know and then they went on to make the shining afterwards as well <clears throat> yeah. jack nicholson you know
0: that's right yeah that's, that's true that's
2: true you know, his character. That whole scene is hilarious.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yet yeah, at the end there.
2: Yeah. Like um, when he teaches the chief to play basketball. Oh, it's like like your <laughs> scene. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: no. It just
2: it, you know it's that's so just one bad. of those ones where you really start to see that he's, you know, he he has an impact on the most impenetrable mm-hmm. patient there. And and you almost get to see you know I think there's a reaction shot to chief after McMurphy walks away where you you start to see there's something there's something there.
0: Clicking, okay. yeah, definitely. And I love when he comes back at the end, um, not the very end, but the first time he comes back from the the electroshock oh, therapy, right. and does a sh- the one little shot of Chief, um, very subtly smiles, like oh, right. you know, I'm so Everyone glad he
1: realizes that he's when he winks at
0: him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's a touching, touching moment. That relationship there, I think, is very. Or even when very he moving. offers
1: him the juicy fruit, you know, and that's when he first you know, talks or whatever, yeah. you know.
0: And I don't think he, I don't think McMurphy changes the whole institution, but he saves a few of them. I mm-hmm. think he saves Chief. Uh, I think a few of them might learn a bit about themselves and what it means to be free, but I mean, you got to ask yourself, when this movie's finished, is everything status quo again at the end?
2: Yeah, Rashid never has her, she has the, she has a neck brace on, right, right? and she never has her control. I'm sorry, Steph, I... I took oh, your don't, scene. Don't That's a good I one.
3: have a couple. Let's hear it. You've already mentioned the, the boat scene, the fishing mm-hmm. scene. Um, just the the comedy to come out of that yeah. is just, you know, you're rolling on the floor laughing. Um, like Through the he's Driving the boat, and yeah. it's going around in circles, <laughs> and it's just like... Chizik, and he comes out <laughs> with his pants down and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: hilarious. The one guy who's like playing yeah. with the guy's eyeball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through his eye? Mm-hmm. He's dead. He won't feel it. It's
3: <laughs> like so classic. I that scene um but i guess the basketball learned when you know, to play basketball for the first time you actually start to see him um the characters you know they're learning they're they're learning to be actual you know thriving human being well not thriving but they're becoming they can actually beat
1: the cards right mm-hmm.
3: exactly and yep. they don't have to be in this isolated environment they actually could be surviving elsewhere in a different situation um
1: mm-hmm. I like Candy's character, too, to some degree. You know, the party. Yeah. But even like before, she's like, they're going to put you back in the can. You know, <laughs> just kind of like, you know, it's true. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. You know, and I mean, then she gets on the bus. She goes, so all you guys are crazy? <laughs> you know, kind of like, all right. Yeah. Good
2: well, we forget. Now, I, you know, I had a sort of a sad conversation the other day. I have a student writing a paper on animal testing. She's against animal testing, and she asked me, would you send me to the guidance office if I told you I, I think that they, they should use inmates for testing and I said what
3: <laughs> uh, we had to have a long conversation
2: yeah. about that and, and I actually didn't let guidance know about it but I'm just saying you know these are folks they've, they've committed a crime but they have rights you can't yeah. take the rights away from them and uh you know, but she said, what about the rights of the animals? And I said, well, you know, two, two wrongs aren't making a right. But that's one of the things that McMurphy does is he finds their humanity. He doesn't mm-hmm. treat them. As right. He doesn't treat them like
1: they're crazy. He doesn't treat them like they're outcast in society. They're people you hang around with at the bar or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Probably get into fights with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, the next day love them or whatever.
0: You know? Yeah. And, you know, he, he wants to take them fishing. He wants mm-hmm. them to watch baseball. I mean, think of it I mean, as, right. a, as a symbol, you know, f- um, freedom, America, yeah. mm-hmm. baseball, you know, it's just, I think it's a some of these motifs in the film just, are, I think, are really striking to me. Yeah. You know, so.
1: And I think the impact of the year in which it came out, too, you know, because it was kind of a, not a great year, you know, as, uh, film-wise, like, well, another iconic one that came out that year, that was counterculture, was like Shampoo, you know, that came out the same year. It was yeah. kind of like that counterculture type of movie, too, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think like he won against people like, um, what was the guy's name, the one from Shushing Redemption that acted at James Whitmore and give him hell Harry that oh, was yeah. one of the performances that won you know like Maximilian Schell I want to say the man in the glass booth they would think he was nominated against him so mm-hmm. it wasn't you know like uh it wasn't a ton of great performances that year but his performance is so you know sticks out so well oh yeah you know and I mean yeah. he's won what three Oscars you know one of the only people that won both supporting and mm-hmm. lead performance and you know great actor in general
0: it certainly is you yeah certainly is my, uh, one of my favorite scenes, it's tough to pick one, but, um, yeah, I like, I like when he first arrives, you know, I think it's probably the first meeting that he's sitting in, you know, mm-hmm. and interestingly enough, he doesn't say a word in that meeting, but the lines are clearly drawn in the sand where it's, um, you know, McMurphy's playing with
1: him. the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it all
0: of Well, I'm, I'm the in the meeting, um. Oh, before the group a movie, movie, The group meeting. Um, when he's sitting among the. They're in a circle. And there's Ratchet actually calls on him.
3: They're in a, oh, okay. they're, him,
0: they're in a circle. Um, he's just, he's kind of just sitting there. Saying. He's just sitting there. He's playing with cards. Yeah. But he's playing with the cards rebelliously. And he, he, we've all had that sort of student in the class who just sort of does something that is like borderline re- mm-hmm. disruptive he and knows rebellious. knows how far to go. Yeah. yeah. And, and
1: you've got to love it. You yes. Know, oh, where, yeah. Yes. Because you want kids to have a little bit of a spirit. If you don't, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: And then the naked playing cards, which is probably yeah. contraband there, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, and it, it, it by the time that scene's over, it's clearly, okay, it, it, McMurphy's almost saying, like, okay, it's you versus me. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting, like, opposite sides of the, of the circle. Right. Um, Who's yeah. in charge of this meeting. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think it's the meeting where um, she's trying to get everyone to talk mm-hmm. about um, no, that be. I'd a, really like for you to
1: write in to my Billy's. journal. Yeah. Yeah. About that so and so started the discussions. Yeah, you right. know, Chas Cheswick. He's
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> no, i <I'm No>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, And you know, it's, what a vicious way, though, to get control over someone. Um, Nurse Ratchet and Billy, you know, using her, his mom against him. Yeah, time and, and time again. You right. know, it's just, uh, it's really vicious. And that's
1: when he starts really stuttering. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if you do notice that as the movie goes on, his stuttering yeah. go, goes down. Yeah, especially when he right. talks to McMurphy. Yeah, and that's a clear symbol of him right. just feeling freer. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously stuttering is a problem, but sometimes it's a re- it's a reflection of yeah anxiety Situation. situations. Yeah, and um, but you know, he, he reverts back big time, like at yeah. the that's end, like when
1: that's his Achilles heel. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, she, and Nurse Ratched knows how much mm-hmm. that hurts him. I mean, how could you use that against them? Right. <laughs> it's sad.
1: Yeah,
3: I know. It's like picking
1: a puppy. I mean, yeah. If yeah.
3: there's any question if she's evil or not yeah. at that point, it's yeah. like, oh, there it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. You know, I wonder what your mother's it. going to think of this, Billy.
1: Well, why do you have to tell her? you think I shouldn't? You know, it's like a little yeah.
0: cruel. And is, what is his crime?
1: Right. Yeah. You know?
0: Yep. He's living out.
1: Yeah, he's an adult male. He's a consenting adult. He can have sex with whomever he chooses.
0: You know. <laughs> know. Yeah. You know? So it's not like... It's, you know, it's frustrating to watch, actually, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. Yeah, it really And I love, <laughs> it's a very, uh, it's dark comedy, but, like, at the end when uh, mm-hmm. Nurse Ratched is getting choked by McMurphy, yeah. you see uh, Christopher Lloyd's character, like, just gesturing, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> ahead, no video here, but if you would, you'd see me mimicking Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Perfectly. Yeah. You know, and I just love when he freaks out during one of those meetings where the cigarette is put it, uh, in his pajamas. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they think you it's know. Okay. You know, why don't you come up? Why don't you cut out the BS, Harding, and yeah. get to the point? Right. <laughs> and then right there, I just set off. You know, you know, you're so full of bleep. It's unbelievable.
2: But he That's would hard. he would go on to have a successful career converting DeLoreans into time machines. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: it, it worked out for his character.
1: And
0: discovering gigawatts. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Jim, for a number of years on Taxi
1: too. You know. oh. his character was awesome. That you know, what does the yellow light mean? Slow down. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was
2: great. I loved I loved his character in Taxi. Taxi was yeah he just you know tremendous.
1: But well, the guy who created Taxi then did um what uh what do you call it Cheers in Terms of Endearment.
2: James L Brooks. <coughs> yeah, he yeah. did, did Cheers as well. I think right. He was I think um, like one of the producers or something. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah
0: I think we'd be remiss to not mention the uh, the score in Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, talk about a unique choice. It's a it's a it's a there, it's a theremin um, a very which I, I don't think it would be a mistake but it's a, a electronic uh, it's tough to describe basically you're you're playing a f- an electronic frequency or impulse yeah. um, I don't know the science of it I can't uh, but if you were to see it um, it's basically you're sort of using this frequency coming out of this uh, device to make a, a pitch and uh, that's the lead instrument. I think, if I'm not mistaken. It's either that or someone's playing the saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well,
2: I, and I, I read my internet movie database before I, I read of these films. Do you, do you know who recommended him to do the score? This is obscure trivia. Don't mess this
3: one. Um, I know, right? Thank you.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who? Art Garfunkel. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. That's well, the other thing he did. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well,
2: they had done
0: Carnal Knowledge together. Yeah, with, right? yeah. Yeah. Him and Nicholson. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, because... I, I mean... Would it be wrong to assume that it sort of carries over the theme of electrotherapy? I don't know. Oh, maybe, nice. perhaps, elect, another electronic device to make something beautiful versus the other one doing. Well, think of like arm. you know,
1: it reminds me of like Musac. Remember Muzak? Yes. You know, like in elevator music and you know, grocery store music before they actually have like you know, satellite radio yeah. or whatever.
0: Students like, look up Muzak. Muzak. yeah <laughs>
3: Actually, just kind of like
1: that anesthetizing type of, you know, sound. That, yeah, yeah. it
3: can, it gets eerie. it was change. meant to be psychological. Yeah. So that, you know, in
1: grocery oh,
2: my, stores, you'd be, my dad used to listen to it on the car radio. No, really? Oh, I know. What? Yeah. My dad used
0: to, he, used <laughs> he voluntarily listened to it? <laughs> <and laughs>
2: you buy more groceries, you know, as a result of
1: it. Too. Wow. So you talk about, you know, manipulating. Yeah. That's,
0: you know, that's so, very yeah. true.
1: Yeah, I, I can do the girl from Ipanema in yeah. music. Wow. So that's just what I was thinking about. <laughs> It's a great song, but you know, it's, you
2: know, it's a very sexy sexist, song, yeah. and all of a sudden it's that's like, well, right. here's. Now it's just. Like you know, now it puts, it, puts yeah. me to yeah. sleep. I, I've heard Beatles songs. Yeah. The
1: that's sacrilege, or, yeah, right you know, there. Right. That's a, but I remember, like, the. Coup de bra for me was kind of like, I remember hearing, uh, like, a New Order song or something like that, Muse Act, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> that's when I you know the end of the, you know, the apocalypse
2: is coming. You no, I, I once heard uh, Sympathy for the Devil yeah. on an on a, on a easy listening station. Right. Exactly, yeah, I know.
3: <laughs>
2: so how would you like okay I find it hard to criticize a film I mean you can find there is definitely an anti-feminist or anti-female bent to it but I mean there's there's nothing it's it's uh it's not cliched it's original mm-hmm. it's it's complex I mean what what else would the critics say other than maybe some of the character characters are caricatures or it doesn't treat these female yeah, characters if there was like yeah. a sympathetic female character in there, would have broken
3: yeah, the Yeah, you wouldn't have yeah. had the you know I mean.
1: And like we were talking about before, can every movie be everything? Mm-hmm. You know, True. it doesn't have to make a feminist statement, nope, right? it doesn't. Know,
3: but it's know. a struggle for the audience. Yeah. Um, I had a question for the ending of the film. What do you guys think of the? You know, we were talking about the music and score and things like that. Um, you know, the, it's like cue the Indian music when yeah. it starts the drums, but it's not. I don't find it offensive, offensive. Yeah. i don't look at that and say oh that that was a mistake.
1: well the fact that he calls him chief too I mean, well you know, yeah it obviously thing, is that, but, but you
3: know. it was it was it was motivating come the mm-hmm. end of yeah. the film you are inspired um but in the same sense when i think when it starts every single time i re-watch the film i'm like i start to cr- cringe and then all of a sudden it's just like oh it's okay it sounds good it's mm-hmm. it works it works yeah, yeah. it does work so yeah. i was going to pose the question to
0: yeah, I mean yeah, no, I think it's that's a good point. I mean, I think it's an interesting fusion of a couple different styles. I mean, to put a theremin over tri, you know, Indian tribal traditional drums, mm-hmm. that's that's very different. And then it sort of kind of crescendos into a more typical score when the uh when the th- the thing when is it that goes through the window? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fountain the fountain, the fountain. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: fountain. Yeah. Yeah. fountain ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: just heavy marble. Like all, all the different knobs. Mm-hmm.
0: You're right so I think it was just like a, if it was suddenly just a straightforward you know Native American music mm-hmm. then you sort of like roll really your eyes at it but it, it is it is subtle I mean um, perhaps you can even say it's refreshing to have something yeah. non-Western uh, mm-hmm. well you know, I'm saying like, ang, you know Anglo-Saxon right mm-hmm. you know typical movie score music and you have some Native American flavor in there I think you know I think it does it justice
1: um i remember the first time i saw this movie was like when i was 13
3: i want to say because um i remember all of a sudden they started kind of digging up our street and